spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Andy Ann from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hey guys and the end spoken label sunday night it's gonna be a manic evening because i've got a dear friend of a bit today and after we finish chatting i'll set up to a bonfire display so <laughs> i'll give you a clue what time of the year it is so but anyway the lady with me today, I first met this young lady. Ooh, she might re- refresh my memory a bit. It was a good couple of years ago. Yeah. When did we first get chatting, Esther? Was that speakeasy? It, I, know, I know it was. It's at least three years ago, I'd say. Mm. Three or four years ago. Yeah, it's a couple, you know, it's longer than both of us can remember anyway. So mm. I know it's certainly, I know I've got Esther, Esther Kosh with me today. The lovely Esther Kosh. Now, I first met Esther. Oh, we were saying before, as through speakeasy, then I obviously I now call run. I can't remember, Esther. Did you were you coming to that um, when Dave Hartley used to run it, or did that come after? Just after. I think it was just after I joined and I started coming to speakeasy. I think it um I think you and Steve had just yeah. kind of taken it over, and it was obviously at the SIP Club in Stretford. Yeah, the wonderful now fondly missed SIP Club in Stretford. Indeed. So. Have you seen what the venue's called now, Esther, before we start chatting? Yeah, it's the, is it the, um, <coughs> it's like a, an Indian lounge. Yeah, it's, I'm not, anybody knows what what it is, the venue, I'd be interested in knowing, but it's certain now, yeah, some sort of in, uh, Indian high room, but if you go past it, it looks like they use it for all kinds of things, because I've seen it booked and booked as a restaurant the other week when I went past there, so. It looks a bit funky. I think I think we're gonna to have to check it out. <laughs> Let's get raving over there then. Definitely yeah. right. So <laughs> now, seriously, we're here to chat to Esther today about her work because she's certainly Ivor Gunnard is one of the best writers in the area, in Manchester. So, right, Esther, people don't know you then. I'm making you blush now already. That's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, people that don't know you, do you want to first of all introduce yourself, don't we? Tell them obviously where you come from originally. I know you've lived in a few areas, you and your family, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. And what started off your creativity and what started from that? Brilliant. So, yeah, my name is Esther Kosh. Um, I'm a spoken word poet um, and I'm also a student at Salford University. Um, I, I was originally born in South London. Um, that's my, my dad's from Essex, mum's from Old Trafford, but um, they met in London and I was born in South London. 
Um, but then we came up north uh, because that's where my nanny was living in Stretford. Um, and we stayed up here. So I say now that I'm bred in Manchester, born in London, bred in Manchester. Um, we lived in, we lived with my nanny for a year and then we moved to Ermston. And then about six years ago, we moved to Salford to Erlen. Um, and over that time, I think since I left high school, uh, when I joined college, I discovered a young person's writing collective called Young Identity, uh, quite, quite well known in Manchester. Um, and that's where I discovered spoken word poetry. Um, and I think it's gained more traction and more popularity spoken word over the years since when I first discovered it. Um, and I was, and I have been since struggled with my mental health. And I, you know, I don't say this lightly, spoken word and that collective really saved my life. It was awakening that I've always been creative, but I think finding spoken word, that was, that was my trajectory. That's what was missing. I'd always liked writing stories. Um, I've always loved music, but unfortunately there's not a musical bone in my body. Um, I've always loved theater. I've always loved reading. Um, but I haven't always had a lot of confidence. So spoken word and poetry and nights such as Speakeasy and the open mic kind of circuit, the Mancunian open mic circuit has really, really supported me with my mental health. And I think, you know, I've got friends and family as well who've fallen in love with spoken word, you know, through that as well, going to spoken word nights, because it's, it's a bit different. People who've never been to a poetry night before, they don't know what to expect. And it's funny seeing what people pick up on and people's reactions, because obviously me and you now, Andy, like we, we know what to expect when we go to a spoken word night oh, in Manchester. God, yeah, completely. But there's some people who've got no clue. So it's always refreshing to see and listen to what they think, you know, their experience of spoken word. And obviously spoken word is so diverse, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's constant, those sort of things where it's been constantly evolving, I think. Like I've, been, I've been around it for what, 10 years now, probably more actually. And I yeah. said, You've been around. Well, I first met, we reckon, first met you, say, four years ago. And yeah. I know you were active before that because yeah, I, knew, so I, knew, I, knew I knew Steve knew of you before that. That's why. So, yeah, about eight years now. Why is it really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't give yeah, so you an old enough for that, actually. But anyway. Well, I started when I was 17 um, and I'm 25 now. So, yeah, and actually a bit earlier than 17, but um, yeah, it's brilliant. Fell in love with it, like yourself. Oh, it's brilliant, because I know, like, I'm chatting to your mum, like, and obviously your mum, Jackie's producer. I've not seen her for a while, but I know she's no. coming here regularly to the sit one. I know your yeah. mum used to love it as much as you, I love watching it as much as you see you, you do yourself, yeah. so. We've got very similar interests. Um, we both love, again, theatre, drama, we love TV. Um, mum, you know, studied English and drama at, at university. So mum loves it as well. You know, I, I, I sometimes I say to her, you should have a go at it. Have a stab Surpri at it. Write a bit of I'm surprised your mum's not had a go at it, don't you? But, but she's probably quite One shy. of these days it'll happen. It's only a matter of time. Keep at her as I was. I definitely with that one. So you know, obviously I want to look at obviously the way your work's developed all the time then. Because yeah. I didn't realise you'd been as active long, active as long as you had. Like I said, I knew the first time I met you, knew you'd been in, your writing was of a level, and I think it's got higher, obviously, naturally through progression over time. 
Hmm. So tell us um, about what your early work was like then. And do you think it has developed much over time? Definitely. It's definitely been refined. Um, you know, it's still not perfect. We're all our own worst critics, I think. Um, but it's definitely transformed and changed. I think I think what make what differentiates spoke, you might agree, I don't know, you might have a different take on it, but what I think differentiates spoken word from kind of a lot of the page poetry and literary poetry is the its political nature and its social can nature. Can be. I think there's yep. different certainly if there's different levels of it. I think you're all right than that one. There yeah. is a but also, you do all see where it's more the spoken side. It's more mm. the old-fashioned, like storytelling, like used to get in the yeah. previous centuries. And it's but much I, more know, direct, I think, as well. It, it's 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 that continuation of oral tradition, isn't it? Yeah. It's I, I love that about it as well. Love that about it. Um, so it doesn't necessarily need to be about you know that politician that did that stupid thing last week, or you know a social commentary or something like that. It can be. I write a lot about my family, my Irish family. Um, it can be, you know, spinning, you know, spinning a yarn, telling a story about a monster, telling a story about, um, a, a, you know, a spooky thing that happened to you. So it's definitely still got that, lit it retains that literary feeling, that kind of uh, folklore kind of thread I like to retain in my writing. And that's what I started out, you know, it was pure fiction. That's what I started out writing um, about. But it definitely having, you know, being in a group, a poetry collective, and people are talking about their everyday experiences and their different experiences, you start, it starts to become a bit more politicized and a bit more almost anthropological. Oh, that's a good word. That's a, a good, good word. word yeah. I like that word. I know, I know you're like you, young lady, if putting big words in. And <laughs> it's not the sort of case where it's like you're showing off, you know what they're on about. And I thought that's why you're so well. But that's, but that's the thing. I I love words. I love finding out new words and new phrases. I don't know about you, but it, yeah, I, I utilize that notes section in my phone yeah. all the time. I'll just hear something that I really like and I think. I want to use that for something. Don't know what, but I'll use it for something. I'm old fashioned, in sense. I'm old fashioned, so I'm always scribbling ideas down in notepads. Yeah. But I know man does it on a phone. And I know what I've seen you where you work, because I know you do the same as well. That's both, why. Both. I've got hundreds of notebooks scattered about with all bits of half poems and um short stories and things that are going to be poems at some point, but it's still a mind map. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's a nightmare. I think, why do I do it to myself? Because I'm constantly scrabbling around for something that, oh, I know I want to read that at Speakeasy next week. And I never find it. And I end up reading something else. And then I find it, you know, <laughs> three weeks later. I used to like that reorganisation, but nowadays I'm pretty organised a lot of it because yeah. I have everything in like pieces are complete. I have more logged in A5 books and uh, then I have still have the scrapbooks knocking around, but I try and keep things in order because yeah. otherwise I'd end up losing things. I know. What I I'm need like. to take a leaf out of your book, Andy, because it, <laughs> I think I think it's difficult. We could speak a bit more about this in a bit, but I think it, it, mm. building a building a career as a writer is hard. It's hard yeah, for artists. Very, very, very difficult. Very, very and difficult. I think being organised—that's kind of like. <laughs> That's your foundation. Do you know what I mean? You need yeah. to know where your poems are and you need to have that, you know, I've, I've always been, since I started in Young Identity, always been encouraged to 
create a file on my computer to print it all off, put it all in a portfolio. Have I done it? No. <laughs> you will no. eventually. You will eventually. I will definitely. eventually, yeah. Right, I want to minister learning then, obviously. Obviously, like I said, because obviously you're doing the audition. I know you love reading as well, because... I've, I've, I remember you telling me about some of the books you've read in the past that speak easy. Yes. Usually after a glass or two of wine, normally, I must say that, mind you, as well. Yes. But um, <laughs> who do you know, who is your influences in writing them when you first got going? Was there really got 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 anybody who really stood out to you? No, because, well, in terms of the spoken word and poetry world, obviously that, that um, poetry education I'd had was a GCSE English poetry oh, education. God help you then. God I was help that, you young, that that was all that was that was my knowledge. Um, and then you know when I started learning what spoken word was and the, and the subtle differences and and you know poets who who don't write for page poets who have a monologue or have a piece of spoken word. There's poets that um, write a piece, they perform it once, and they never perform it again. That's it. They th- they mentally throw it away. And I thought, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you're not so precious about your work. Because um, I'm very precious and a perfectionist and I, you know, try to keep my work for further things. But I started discovered, discovering poets like um, Benjamin Zephaniah. Incredible um, play. I've, I've seen him live. Yes, twice, I've actually. seen him live as well. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and um, the American poet Saul Williams. Oh, I've seen him in concert. I saw him in concert. Oh, that was a few years ago. Yeah. I, I, I met him when I was quite young. Um, he visited Manchester very briefly. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't, and now I realise I kind of want to meet him again because I realised the gravity of the, the moment and this amazing poet that I was meeting. But at the time I was like, oh, I'm told this is a great, fantastic American poet, that this is a really special moment, but I didn't fully appreciate it, I don't feel. So I'd love to see him again. I'd love him to come over here again or for me to go over to America or whatever. Because again, the American poetry scene, similarities, but also some big differences. Yeah, um, massive differences. I've, I've, I've chatted a lot of American writers since I first started Spoken Label, but I've noticed yeah. exactly what he's saying. And it's, it's, it's interesting, really, because it's the same language, but their approach, I think, is quite different. It is. I feel it's different as well. Obviously, I don't know firsthand. I've not been to poetry nights in America, but obviously we, 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 we watch it a lot on YouTube and poetry is kind of like permeating TV a bit more. We're getting bits and bobs in drama and we're getting more kind of documentaries about it and things like that, but it's still not mainstream. Um, but then obviously there's, there's poets like John Cooper Clark. How can I not mention John Cooper Clark? Sulfur, uh, isn't it? Sulfur, yeah, yeah. But then there's, I think there's something to be said for when I started to kind of like dip my toe in the water of the kind of the open mic circuit, um, which is something I must say that, like, as a member of Young Identity, the collective, I try to, I try to encourage my peers to do a bit more because it can be very daunting at first. But I think once you start sharing with people of all different ages and all different backgrounds and all different nationalities and all different styles, it really accelerates your growth and your writing style so much more quickly than sticking to the same canon of work or um, sticking to the same writing group. I really encourage them to branch out a bit more. There's nothing wrong with feeling comfortable and safe 
in a particular group and sticking with that group. I mean, for example, Speakeasy, such, such a friendly bunch and so welcoming and so inviting. And it really is a, a secure place to start to dip your toe in the water of the poetry yeah. world. That's always been the point behind us now straight away because we want to encourage people, whether established or new, you know, like you said, yeah. to try and also try out new, try out new approaches all the time. May not, may work, may not work. Go for it. <laughs> but like, you know, what I was going to say is I'm sure you've got your favourite Mancunian poets, your favourite mm. Northwest poets that you yeah. see now and again, or you, you continually see in at Speakeasy, or you see it this night, you see it that night. And they're the people who inspire me. Obviously, I like to educate myself and look up this person, look at that person and um, look at this new London poet, look at this new uh, French poet, because obviously spoken word is really gaining traction on the continent as well, in Germany and in, in France and in Belgium. I think it's quite Americanized from my experience, but it's still quite similar and, and the scenes are growing. But it's it's my peers and it's those people that I've met in and around Manchester that inspire me. Dave, Dave Viney, for instance, fabulous poet. Um, obviously, I'm biased, but Shirley May of Young Identity. Oh, gosh, yeah, Shirley's done so much work, she has. Oh, she's right. absolutely fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And there's so much, just, there's, there's new, you meet new faces every single week. And you think that, wow, they're special. We're going to keep seeing that person again and again and again, and they're, they're going to develop their style. And I can't wait for what else that they've got to tell us about. You know, they've got such a story and it doesn't matter how young you are. You know, everybody has a tale to tell. And, and just there's no there's no bounds to the imagination. And I experience something new every time I come to Speakeasy. So it's, it's really, it's the people that I meet around Manchester, even just in one city, it's amazing what one city has to offer, isn't it? No, completely. And it's, I think you're right when you say that the Manchester circuit, because it's like, we, me and the man, we just don't go to one night. We go to several mm. nights, other nights you meet. And I love the fact is, I love seeing writers and to meet the same people. It's also telling you some different, mm. you may never see them again. But yeah. it's, that's about the pleasure of it sometimes. If that person's come along, read once and said, oh, that's all I want to do. I'm done. I'll move on. But, it's, yeah. it's, but also you've got the other side of the creativity. And it's not mentioned learning about it, it's not you. Like, I just don't stick it, obviously, like doing poetry and writing and stuff. I do other stuff. And yeah. it's like, but how have you found that then? Because obviously, like, I know, obviously, you do write in all kinds of styles. Is there anything else, creativity, like, why would you like to have a go at when you get a bit older, maybe? Well, I've always been a drawer, or oh, seen some examples of your drawing. Yeah, you show me that one. Actually. Yeah, I do like drawing, and it's more. It's more. I suppose it has more of a. Obviously, poet poetry and writing has a therapeutic aspect to it, but I think drawing is very much kind of like um, a safe place for me to go when I need a distraction, um, when things are getting a bit too much for me, when I'm down. For instance, you know, just of an evening watching the telly. I need to be engaged in lots of different ways. I can't kind of, I struggle to sit down and watch a TV programme and that's it. I need to have something on my lap. I need to be drawing. I need to do a crossword. I need to be, I don't know, I might be doing a cross stitch or something. So I'm always looking for little activities to do. 
And sometimes I feel it's a shame because over the years, depending on how how bad my mental health has been, it completely loses its enjoyment factor and it's entirely how distracting is this. Um, so the drawing loses that pleasure and the sense of achievement and it's more, is it, is it, is it, am I being detached? That's not a word, but it is now. Am I being detached? <laughs> you've made it, you've done what you normally detached. say, you've made it That's a word. You've made it a word, right, definitely. <laughs> am I detached from those unpleasant, intrusive thoughts enough? Has it got that value, enough of that value of being distracting? Um, but as things have improved for me, it's, I used to worry that the enjoyment had completely gone. Sometimes, you know, we all get writer's block. But sometimes there'd be really quite long bouts of I cannot write, I, I can't do it. There's too many other thoughts going on in my head, and I think is that it? Has it gone? And I, I think that about the, the drawing as well. I think that about the other arts and crafts I do. Has it gone? But it always comes back, and it, that always coincides with a um, improvement in my mental health and other aspects of my lifestyle. Keeping keeping myself well, self care. I feel sometimes I feel like self-care is overused a little bit, but no, I think it has to be a cliche because it's so important. Um, and I think, you know, poetry has that for, for so many people. Again, that's why I joined Young Identity at that such a young age. I needed something else to focus on. And it didn't just become a something else. It didn't just become a distraction. It became a passion. Yeah, you can see that. You can see that one every time we see you. I see you read. You can feel it, like every word you mean. It. I think some writers that go on stage, you can feel they're not feeling what they're saying. You can. I can see it every time I see you. And you know that could just be because they're not in the mood at that time when they were writing it. Yeah, they felt it. I mean, sometimes I know that I've got on stage, and I've read something, and I think. And I do love this piece that I've written. I was really proud of it when I wrote it whenever last month, but I didn't feel it then when I read it. And I wonder if that that translated to the audience. Did they know that my heart wasn't in it? So, you know, I, like, I'm not suggesting that you are, but I never judge based on that moment when they're reading that poem, because that that piece of writing, it did come from them at some point. But I know that, and also nerves can just get to you, can't they? The nerves oh. of the night. Hey, so you think really like it was when both in reading, me and you have been reading for what, seven years now. Yeah. I can get nights still where, where, for whatever reason, you can get on stage and you ain't feeling it. No. And, it's, and you, it you, were, you could have been feeling it right up to that moment. And then you step on the stage and you think, oh. And it just doesn't, and you come off stage and you kick yourself and you think, oh, I'm really prepared for that. But it happens. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing with spoken word. It doesn't matter how much you prepare. It's the same with any kind of performance. If yeah. you're not feeling it on the night, you're not feeling it. I think of the one is I, I tend to look at a lot of the creativity with your own my areas. It's you get some people that are very competitive over it. Yes. Me, it's I'm not like that. I've never been like that. And, and I, you're not... You not to not not like the level I've seen other people. Mm. You're just oh, like being honest to yourself every time you go on stage, and that's what I love about your work. Is you can feel it, it comes in the heart. 
and, and that's where I bring slam poetry into the mix because I was kind of, I'd, I'd say trained, it wasn't quite as formal as that, um, kind of an informal introduction into to spoken word and slam poetry. And that, again, that's a very, I think that's a very American concept, but it's, it's really kind of um, spreading worldwide now, this idea of slam and inter-slam and competitions. And um, there's like a inter-European slam and things like that. Um, and this idea of writing a poem that is this length and it has this punchline and that punchline and it has this about it and it has that about it and um it's an art form writing a, a slam poem it's a little bit different it, you've, you've not got as much flexibility um it's like it's like it's like comedy it either works or it doesn't it lands or it doesn't um and, you and, really... that, and that depends on obviously the night you're at because i i've done yeah. slam poetry before now and i've done it somewhere you come along and it goes on storm in one night Read that two nights later and it stinks. Exactly. And you rely so much sometimes on the the charge of the audience and how receptive the audience are and what audience it is. And, and, you know, the backgrounds of the audience and the class of the audience and the age of the audience, it it matters when when it comes to a slam. It matters at any poetry night, you might get a different kind of audience from a different area or whatever and... And they might just quite not be as receptive to what you're saying. But like you said before, if you're writing poetry for you and if it if it just, you know, it doesn't matter to you that the whole of everyone in the room gets it, just as long as it may, might touch, it touches you and it touches someone in some way, that's fine. But I did kind of grow up in spoken word at first in this idea of slam and winning slams and that's when it I think you've got to be careful not to cross that line into over being over self-critical and oh did that person get that or oh if this isn't this isn't um accessible for this for these people I can't write that or this these kind of people might not like that and it's like it, that goes for any kind of creative venture. Not everyone is going to get it. Not everyone is going to like it, especially if you're pushing boundaries. And that's what spoken word and poetry does. It pushes boundaries and it it plants new and fresh and controversial ideas in people's heads. Um, and it, it introduces people to new notions. I think slam it's all well and good and it's great and exciting and it's great for a, a non-poetic audience. Like, wow, what am I experiencing? But it, I think as pursuing poetry as a career and growing with it and, and branching out into maybe um, publishing your own collection and, and just poetry to be kept in, to be kept in a book in a volume and for people to go back to and reread those that kind of poetry we can't be so self-critical otherwise we won't produce the work that we were meant to produce yeah i think you're dead right of it because it's as human beings and as writers we are often on creative we're our own worst critics yes and i found that myself where i've gone along and absolutely spent weeks working on a piece and I've had someone, mm-hmm. but it's happened before, people said, oh, Andy, the best piece you've ever heard. 
but I think it's absolute tripe, and it ends up nearly going in the bin. And I know, I know you've done that yourself before now. You've oh, got absolutely! Yeah. I'll add something. I and think you told what me. a load of rubbish. But then somebody will read it, or I might share it one night. I just think, oh right, I'll throw it out there and see if anyone bites, see if anyone gets what I'm on about. Because also, it's inherent. You know, poetry it's inherently personal. And if it's a really personal story that touched you in a certain way, it's it's unlikely that everybody's going to go, oh yeah, they're going to get it straight away because that was an exp- that was your experience and you're this sort of person who's receptive to this sort of thing. And if, that's why I think it's worth keeping. And that's that's another thing I've learned over the years. And people or other poets, more established poets, have have said to me is keep everything you write, keep everything you write, because it will help someone somewhere or somebody will really appreciate it or it might grow into something else or you might find another way of um another way of iterating it so you know you're absolutely right it's like you might think something's rubbish that you've written but someone somewhere will grow from it or will appreciate it or will want to keep it and reread it Definitely. Now, as we start to wind down this off this first part already, I'm interested in learning, do you have any sort of ideas where you'd like creativity to go next, say, in the next five years? The future, yeah. The future, yeah, I like the, the word. future fairy. is a foreign country, I always say. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> things, I think, over the past, things have really kind of, in one way, accelerated for me over the past year. I've dipped my toe in other other parts of creative media and and I've done a little bit of television work and I've still got a little bit of television work up coming up and it's exciting but it's it's high octane and it's high pressure and I think poetry needs time and space and um good mental health so I think when I do when I write commissioned work or when I write for the BBC or when I do a lot of work where I'm not necessarily producing work or or reading my own work I'm you know uh, reciting some reciting Shakespeare sonnets for for this TV company for um um for an advert for this or whatever um I need to decompress after it. I need to, I need to, I need to come down from that high of doing something quite exciting and all people are going to hear my voice and things like that. And as much as I want to do that in the future, I love this idea of kind of voiceover and getting into TV and, and maybe doing write, writing for TV at some point, although that feels and sounds really scary to me. Oh, it's, um, I've, done, I've done TV scripts and play scripts for work before and it's a completely different arena. Absolutely. But, but obviously, Absolutely. Like this, I think the stage you're at with your writing yourself, it might suit you the best to look at that sort of field, just keep branching up. There's different expectations, isn't there, in the TV world? Um, and and also, people. there's people in the TV world who have an idea of what poetry and spoken word is. And then you, you get there and you start working with them and you realise they have no idea. They have no idea what spoken word poetry is. They've never been to an open mic night in their life. And it's a bit like you've hired me to do this, but you really don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think we're doing a lot of it. The way society has grown, 
is society has changed a lot in the past 10 years, yeah. but there's still a lot more to go. Absolutely. And it's Absolutely. like, you're doing what you said there. You're doing people who's a different life experiences to you and the diff- completely different background. And I agree with you, yeah. good, good luck, Esther, definitely with it. So so what we'll do is we'll wrap up here because I'm looking at the time. I want to give you a chance to give, give let you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, let people hear some of your work as well. So right, I know you well enough by now. Me and you could have chat for another hour here about this topic. And I'll probably arrange that with you just after Christmas, I reckon, as well. We'll do a part two on this, definitely. So <laughs> be a pleasure. Fabulous. Now, obviously, if people want to find out more about you, Esther, where is the best going? At the moment, <laughs> very millennial of me, Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I've got Instagram. your Instagram. I've got your own eyes. Well, aren't you? I, uh, I need a website, <clears throat> really. But that's a chat for another time. I need to be all professional and get myself a website. But no, it's Instagram. So it's SD. E-S-T-I-E underscore poet. And I post most of what I'm up to on there. Brilliant. Well, what we'll do is we'll let people refer people to Instagram. Now, you're going to take a quick break and let you compose yourself and we'll do a few pieces in the second half. It's been a pleasure today. Thank you. Thank I'll see you. you all. See you all in a minute. Spoken Hi, guys. My time for take a break now and then we'll let Esther dominate the mic. Over to you, my friend. So this first piece is quite a new piece. Uh, It's called Sarina. I lie with sucked turpentined dermatitis, an eight-inch ingot of rhodium made for habanos, but in truth, meagre with benson and hedges, I lie with the brawn of revolution, but his revolution is exclusive. I stroked his tender dewlap, What's going on out there, my darling? Displaced valley lilies sprout from the base scum of bollards. City sprites bolt hole below their hung dead bells. Expert campanologists who play to gravel colonies. They glow in the guttering light of arson. In the foreground, Faces beneath balaclavas turn to smoke. A sabbat cat takes a toke on a noxious breeze, proceeds to Cossack dance into the chaos. Matted black nuka alive with fleas. The perulant moon is leaking like a fungal bedsore. And Baroness Sun, perimenopausal backbench bitch. Proud of the ugly industriousness of her diurnal children, waits eagerly behind tower blocks to be called up by Mr. Speaker, planet Earth, to bring a cessation to the night has always belonged to the left. The sun knows that in four billion years, or a bird song, we're all fucked anyway. And the days are so hard for common people, caught in rogue propane trade winds from Minnesota, Gaza, Hong Kong, summoning the breath of their antecedents in 1984 and 1981, and then igniting the bitumen sky with their burning stomachs. Pit stops in the witching hour for Savaloy refuels. Pub handouts of Gary Lineker's fare. End terrace stamp and go, counterfeit pound notes flapping in the simmering pitch, salted to bake the rich into tar bogs like the relics they are. 
their screaming frightens nearby ginnel children. Our kind spend our lives pulling sorrowful knives out of each other's chests, sharing cannulas and building nests around pigeon spikes. Comrades are prematurely born beneath a custody clock to salmonid mothers who give birth in riptides and then sink in disposable hospital slippers. We insurrect and we sob cyclically until our irises wither and desiccate like paprika on our cheeks, until we gelinate like diced Hartleys struck and spliced and left for boxes in the streets, and all that's left of my body are the salt crystals between these sheets. And that's why, my queen, I cannot give you diamonds to impede a bayonet or a missile to wear over your heart to absorb the puncture of a semi-automatic pistol, but I can give you petrol station carnations, a television with at least four stations. And if I can mobilize a nation, a son and heir that won't die before he turns 18. Tremendous, tremendous. Now, I never like asking people direct questions where peace came from, but. I love the image about Gary Lineker there. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say there, right? And that one, that one caught me out. But no, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So, okay, we'll let you move straight on then. Piece number two for okay. us. So this next one is one of the first pieces of spoken words that I ever wrote. Um, I wrote it for a slam. Um, and it comes from a place of understanding and grappling with my mental health. So this is called Soulful. What is your soul served in? Is it served in an antiquated silver dish? Is it served in a chowder? Perhaps it's served in a calabash or card cut to a fine powder. And who is it served to? Yourself or another? Is it someone's to suck on between the empty gums of the elderly? Can your soul be swilled between gap teeth? and then spat into a bucket like river cockles? Is it voluptuous like a cashew nut, salty and swollen with goodness? Is it the rolls of flesh on a baby's legs? Is it sweet and green like the shoot or like the bulbous fruit too heavy for the tree? I think mine is raw and acrid like sap. Is your soul finite or on tap? Do souls reside in our atrium or beneath our clavicle? Are they vested in every follicle of skin? Perhaps yours is in your testicles and mine is in my breasts. Are souls nomadic by nature or do they settle? Do they nest? Do they assemble in a celestial canopy or do they sink alongside the blood and bodied with gravity? Do they fly about the place while we tread dust? Is your soul the nectar, the honey or the wax, the shoulders, the swing or the axe? Are American souls the colour of sequoias? Are British souls the colour of oak? Do souls pertain a preference to Pepsi Max or Diet Coke? Do souls at sea reflect the sky? Do they travel through the birth canal? Do souls abide by tenets 
psalms or superstitions? Do they compete in soulful competitions, pursue missions, master compositions? Does a soul need to convalesce? Do you think a soul requires rest? Might mine need resuscitating? Is there such a thing as a soul trap? Caught in old relics, an ancient jug left waiting 1,000 years for its next lubrication. Can a soul transition? Could a soul die? I need to know, because I need to know where on earth or not is mine. Thank you. Tremendous ending there as well. Very, very, I remember you've read, you've read them on that at least once when I've seen you. Uh, mm. With that line about Pepsi, Mac, Pepsi and Coke is always a line that sticks in my head. I'm definitely a Pepsi fan. <laughs> that's yeah. why. But that's the thing, is it? Everyone has everyone has a yeah. preference. It had to go in. <laughs> oh, you know, it's perfect. It gives it an earthiness behind the piece. And it's not fantastic, Esther. Been a pleasure today. Too long as well. Because people are wondering, we've been talking about this for years, haven't we? And yeah. one thing led to another. And I've I've never got around to it, and you never got around to it. So, but no, it's been a pleasure. I'll get you in beginning in some point in 2022. We'll carry on this chat because I've got plenty of other stuff I want to talk to you about. So, Fabulous. tremendous. Thank you again, Esther. Hang around. Do need to speak to you off mic as always. But as Don Callis says at Impact Wrestling, guys, stay safe and stay over. And we'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.